It gives us the feel of a magic door, one that opens for 60 days and then closes, but changes the trajectory of the next college basketball season. That is right, friends. It's the NCAA transfer portal, and we've got updates, news, notes, and a little bit of insight right here today on Lockdown Women's Basketball. Ogumbawale for the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball. Happy Monday, friends. It is May 15th, 2023, and a happy belated Mother's Day to all of the moms out there in every form or fashion. I hope you were celebrated yesterday and really every day because moms absolutely deserve that. I am Missy Heydrich. It is great to be here with you back on a Monday. National Women's Basketball Correspondent here at The Next. Thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you also by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKED ON. That's prizepicks.com, promo code L O C K E D O N. It's also graduation time, so happy graduation to all of the graduates at every level out there. We've got people leaving college, heading into the real world, getting jobs, all of the above high school. It could be middle school. It could be preschool graduation. All of them amazing accomplishments and absolutely should be celebrated. So happy graduation to all of the graduates that are out there listening today. You can follow me, Missy Heydrich, on Twitter at Missy Heydrich, and be sure to follow the next hoops at the next hoops and this podcast at locked on women's basketball locked on bb you also have to go over to the nexthoops.com and check out all of the amazing coverage that my colleagues have at our website each and every day 365 24/7 that is us well lsu won the women's national title just the first weekend of April. And we sit here now, it is the middle of May. And what seems to be like the magic door of the NCAA may have closed, or at least it's just propped open a little bit for now. The NCAA transfer portal has been insane in the past 60 days. And so today we're going to talk about the portal and everything that comes with it, the drama, the announcements, the surprises, the program overhauls, the impact players, and how it impacts the next class, which not a lot of people think about. But how does it impact that next class of potential student-athletes, the ones that are hoping to be seen and even seen more as in, and discovered as they head out on that 2023 summer recruiting trail? But first, let's back up a little bit. Let's just talk about some of the nuances and some of really the parameters that we've had about the portal. I think a lot of people feel this is the wild, wild west. Well, it probably is. And that's where the transfer world has gotten us really across college athletics. It doesn't matter if it's women's basketball or men's basketball, but we see it all the time. We see it in football. You see it in volleyball. You're going to see it in baseball and softball, all of the above, now that those seasons are coming to a close. 
But really what's happened is the NCAA went back. It was sort of into end of August, early September. They did put some parameters around the portal. What do we see and what does that look like? Well, college athletes in all sports, they continue to have and be immediately eligible for the first time they transfer, provided that they notify their schools in writing during that designated notification of transfer window. Now, for women's basketball specifically, as because it is a winter sport, the way it is classified by the NCAA is a 60-day window, beginning the day after championship selections are made in that sport. So the day after the NCAA field of 68 was announced, the 60-day window began. Well, it closed, closed on May 11th. And that was when that window closed. And after that, now any potential student athlete that does go into the portal of women's basketball, you are going to need a waiver to play next year. Now, when a student athlete enters within that time frame, could have been sooner, maybe it is later, if they are in that bucket where they're going to have a waiver, that's fine. But it is up to them to make the decision of when and where they want to go. Now, what has impacted the numbers that we see? Well, because you can have that immediate transfer without sitting out and without penalty, it makes it very simplistic. We know there are a lot of reasons why this has happened. Number one, we see NIL, name, image, and likeness, continuing to be a very big part of what happens in this process. We also know that there still are those COVID years of eligibility from the pandemic time that student athletes are able to utilize. They have the ability, maybe it was a red shirt early or throughout their medical red shirt. They might be on a campus five to six years. That gives them that eligibility. They may look to go somewhere else. That's why the numbers are where they are. We also know there's those postgraduate graduate transfers. For instance, we see a lot of names from the Ivy League in the transfer portal. Well, part of that is because the Ivy League made a decision that they were not going to do postgraduate transfers. Therefore, once someone has used up their eligibility at an Ivy League institution, that they are not going to be able to stay for that fifth year and continue and use that COVID year. So these Ivy League student athletes hop into the portal and they find a home to be able to utilize that fifth year as a graduate transfer. That happens also all across the country, not just specific, but that's why we see Ivy League student athletes as grad transfers in the portal more than probably from other leagues. But it, so much of this is the numbers. And we know now there's over a thousand, or has been over a thousand names that have popped into that portal. And it is somewhat overwhelming to think that all of those student athletes are going to be looking for a new home. It doesn't always happen. Do they end up where they came from? more than likely, no. They're going to be finding a new home. But all throughout college basketball, on both the men's and women's side, there are those impact transfers. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. A lot of people ask me, why does someone look to transfer? Well, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, it absolutely can be a host of things. It could be about just not being happy on that campus. It could be about just not jiving with the program. It could be a coaching change, someone leaving, a new coach coming in. There could have been a red flag for you from a culture standpoint. Maybe it simply was just about playing time and looking for an opportunity somewhere else. It could be NIL. Maybe it's not something that's addressed on your campus, opportunities in other places. These are all the pieces of the puzzle that go into creating 
a decision for a student athlete to put their name in the portal and to find a new home. And a lot of times it truly is just about finding the right fit. It absolutely is the toughest thing to do. You tell a student athlete when they're 16, 17, 18 years old to make a decision, to assume that this is going to be the place that you're going to go. Back in the day, it was really hard to transfer. Now, a little bit more simplistically. Is the grass greener on the other side? That's what a lot of people look to find out. And we continue to see that. When and will the NCAA make some changes to some of this? I doubt it's coming very soon. We could see at some point in time, I hope personally, that the conferences will go back and think about some of their rules and regulations about transferring interconference to think about some of that. But the NCAA has put these into place. The announcements that they made last spring at the end of August and into September to create the windows, to put the numbers around it, to say if you're not in the window outside of it, you have to have a waiver. That's what they've decided to do right now. This gives student athletes the opportunity to put their name in there and find a new home. Ultimately, a lot of these moves come with the idea that there are going to be impact players all over the country, and no one is immune from it. We have seen that. We know that there are going to be players from the top teams all across the country that are putting their name in that portal. But We also know then that someone is going to reap the benefit of being able to get that transfer to their campus, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit more here today. Let's keep in mind that LSU won a national championship with nine new players on their roster for the 22-23 season, many of whom were transfers, including four of their five top scores and the MVP of the Final Four, Angel Reese, who had come from Maryland. The impact just isn't just about LSU. You go back to think that every team except Iowa in this year's Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament had at least one starter, starter on their roster that was a transfer. And it could have been teams that had multiple and that transfer very well could have been their leading score. We know that a team like Ole Miss, they reached the Sweet 16 this past year. They had six transfers on their roster and they've already added three new players to their program heading in to the 23-24 season. The landscape looks different. It all looks different in terms of what you're going to see on these rosters and on the floor. It's going to impact conferences and it's absolutely going to impact the race to the next national championship. And we are going to talk about that in just a moment. So when we come back more on the portal, who's making moves, the changes that really can be that impact player headed to him. But first, we need to talk and give you a message from our friends at Prize Picks. So, how does this work? Well, you go to Prize Picks and you pick two to six players. And if you decide if they will score more or less than their Prize Picks projections, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. Right now, it could be the NBA playoffs. It could be the NHL. It could be the WNBA, which starts Friday. Entries can be made at 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Keep in mind, Tuesday, May 16th, the first game of the Lakers at Nuggets in the NBA playoffs. You might say you want to take LeBron. You might take AD, Anthony Davis. Hard to say. You may go straight up roster for roster with the Nuggets. You get to choose. And also, right now, because of the playoffs, there is the $1 million daily Superflex promotion. 
Every day of the NBA playoffs and the finals, one prize picks user will win a chance to become a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six pick flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks, $1 million. Five, $80,000. And four correct picks, $16,000. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal and you could be the lucky winner. So go download the PrizePix app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked on. If you deposit 100, prize picks will give you 100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. And don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Heidrich, and thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. For every day or tomorrow on the show, more women's basketball covered with Howard Megdahl and everyone at the next. Just remember, the WNBA regular season kicks off this Friday, May 19th. And also, every single day between now and then, you can go to thenexthoops.com and find all of the amazing WNBA previews done by the outstanding journalists that we have with us every day. We are talking about the portal, the transfer portal, what happens, why they're there, what's it look like. Well, it has been a roller coaster and it has been one where I think it's it's been interesting for a lot of folks to determine, well, who goes where? What do they get? Well, one of the things we always say is do the rich continue to get richer? Sometimes that absolutely might be true. Let's talk a little bit first. We have to talk about the reigning national champions. And that comes from our friends at LSU. Now, LSU, as we said, they had nine new players on their roster a year ago. They win a national championship. That is going to give Kim Mulkey and her program a lot of cred. With that said, two of, I think, the probably the top two transfers in the portal this season now are going to be headed to LSU. The first being Haley Van Lith. That was very much a shocking decision for a lot of people that she was leaving and he- leaving Louisville, but put her name into the portal, took a couple of visits, We watch this all now on social media that is so different than it used to be. So we kind of all know where these players are. They're leaving trails and hints, kind of a little roadmap, or maybe, you know, I feel like I'm Hansel and Gretel that they're leaving a little bit of of breadcrumbs for us to all to follow. But it keeps you intrigued, and we all want to know where these players are going to add up. Well, for Haley Van Lith, it is Baton Rouge in LSU. She's going to bring that mid-range jumper, her ability to hit the three-point shot, and I think a very interesting addition, as well as one of the other most coveted transfers in the portal was Anissa Morrow, who came from DePaul. Now, she is a native of Chicago, surprised a lot of people, but it was really the breakout freshman season. It was absolutely another great season for her as a sophomore this year in the Big East, from DePaul, but she is going to be one of the most productive players that LSU is going to have coming out of this portal. She's tallied a double-double in 53 of 66 career games. She led the Big East in rebounding the past two seasons and was only behind Maddie Seagrest, who is now in the WNBA, a top-five pick in the draft behind her in scoring. I think the sophomore and now junior, what she can bring to the floor and be a complement with what LSU has. You think about Fallujah Johnson coming back now as a sophomore. This continues to be an LSU squad that just reloads. 
One of the other interesting ones, people ask about South Carolina all the time. Players can come in, they might leave. They had quite a few players that went out into the draft that graduated. But the thing I like about Don Staley is that she's going to be very particular. She's going to be looking for something specific for her team. Well, I think she got two of those things. One in the transfer portal, and that is going to be Tahina Pow Pow, the 5'9 guard from Oregon. Now, a bit of an exodus from Oregon, as we've seen. A couple guards, Sedona Prince has also left. But the biggest factor here is with the Pow Pow's departure, she comes to South Carolina, leaving Oregon. She's had her ups and downs because of injury, but really can be a playmaker, someone that has got speed and energy, and she's going to bring that to the floor and not afraid to defend. If you want to play for Don Staley, you've got to be able to play defense. The other name that not a lot of people are talking about because it's not truly in the portal, but is now a junior college. The junior college player of the year is coming to South Carolina, Sakima Walker. She's a six foot five center. And she spent her first two years in college at Rutgers and then before transferring to Northwest Florida State College, where she helped her team win the national title last season. She's originally from Ohio, but she averaged just about 17 points a game and eight boards and 32 appearances this season at the junior college level. She is headed to South Carolina. The reload and it continues. And we see that momentarily. Another team that I think is, is always been interesting as it relates to the portal is what Kelly Harper has done at Tennessee. One thing that I like about what Harper has done is she's not been afraid to go to the portal, to be able to go and to find talent. She did that a year ago. She had multiple new faces that came in, some which were absolutely impact players, others not as much. But she continues to go back, looking to fill holes, seeing what your roster looks like, what are the needs. Not necessarily just taking a player to take a player, but you've got to take one that can fill a need for you. Well, I think she got three players right now out of the portal whom I really like. The first is Destiny Wells, have always sung her praises. She spent the first three years of her career at Belmont. She played for Coach Brooks there, was one of the best players in the Ohio Valley, and then in the Missouri Valley, their first season in the Missouri Valley Conference at Belmont. But she's a playmaker, and she can be a scorer. She's not big, probably 5'7", 5'8", but she's got the ability with her speed and her ability to get downhill. That can make a big difference for this Tennessee squad. The other addition that I really like surprised some people, but was Jewel Spear headed into the portal out of Wake Forest. Now Spears about 5'10", the guard, and she comes to this Wake Forest. She comes from Wake Forest, having been an all-ACC honoree, first team in 2022, second team in 2023, and she's got two years of eligibility heading to Tennessee. But she also, a playmaker, a scorer, somebody that can not only shoot the ball from the perimeter, but is going to have the ability to put it on the floor and create for herself and for her teammates. Now, the one biggest factor there, you've got to look at a player or you got to look at a coach like Harper and say, she got a contract extension. If I'm in the portal, that's something that's going to be of interest. I think for a lot of, of players, you're looking for longevity. You're looking for someone to be there. You're looking for that continuity within the program. That's something that they can give at Tennessee. Also, Avery Strickland from Pitt joining Tennessee also out of the portal. Those three players coming in. I like what Kelly Harper has been able to do. One of the players we talked about about a month ago when I was on this podcast with Michelle Smith, we were talking about Lauren Betts coming and leaving Stanford after her first season. One of the top players in the country. She was number one in her class two years ago. 
And Betts is going to be headed to UCLA. Now you go back, it was really amongst UCLA and Stanford when she was making that decision coming out of high school, but she was the number one recruit in the class of 2022. And she's going to stay in California. She's originally from Colorado, but she's going to stay in California and she is going to be at UCLA, a huge pickup for Corey Close. I think she is a difference maker for this UCLA squad. They want to continue to challenge every single year. Stanford, Arizona at the top of the heap for that Pac-12 title. Can Lauren Betts be that difference maker? I think she's an impact type player. It's not very often people leave Stanford, but Lauren Betts did. She's headed to UCLA. I like that move. I think it could be a really good place for her, and I think it's a huge pickup and a big boost for UCLA. North Carolina, a place that has watched and had players leave, but also has been able to use the portal to their advantage. Courtney Banghart, not necessarily looking to get anybody, but going back to that mentality of what do we need at our program? What do I need on the floor for my team? How do you evaluate your roster? That's how especially coaches that have been there for a few years are looking at the portal. And I think two big pickups for them was one out of Boston College. It's Gacton. I think she's going to be an impact player for them in time. She can be a role player. But Lexi Donarski comes from Iowa State, and she is headed to North Carolina. Now she'll have two years of eligibility left. And I think the biggest interest for me as I look at Donarski is her game, how that's going to transfer into the ACC. She can be a shooter. She can be a scorer. She's not afraid to mix it up. She's been known to be a really good defender, but I think that will be interesting to see where she fits in the mix. They're looking to fill holes, knowing that they need other perimeter scores. And I think Donarski can do that at North Carolina. I'll be, it'll be interesting to watch how she molds into that program, but I think it's a really good fit for both of them as well. A lot of times we think about how you build a roster. And one of those people that I've always said, who I think is really, really good at putting together a roster and kind of doing the mismatch and the chess match every every year is Jeff Walsh out of Louisville. Now he's had a couple people leave. He had some younger players who have moved on, put their name in the portal and found a new home. Two of them actually headed to Kansas State. He had Peyton Verholst who left in midseason. Verholst is now at Oklahoma she was eligible to, she went into the portal, could practice, could not be eligible to play this season, will be eligible in the fall for Jenny Baranchik at Oklahoma. But I think one of the biggest factors as you think about what Walsh has done is, again, it goes back. What do I need in my roster? Who's going to be the right fit for the culture and the program of things that we want to do? Two big pickups I like for what they've been able for what Jeff Walsh has done is Kiki Jefferson, the graduate student coming from James Madison. She's going to use her COVID year, so she'll have one year of eligibility there. And then Jada Curry, one of the best scorers in the Pac-12, leaving California, putting her name in and headed to Louisville. She led them in scoring for the last two years. But she's looking to be at a place where you can have success. And sometimes that is one of the motivators for a young person. You go on that portal and you want to figure out and find the best place for you. Jeff Walls with two big pickups and I think really good impact players for this Louisville team. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about a couple other major moves, some other surprises, names to keep looking for, and then what the portal itself means for this next class of student athletes. Hi, everyone. I am Missy Heydrich. Thank you for joining us here on Lockdown Women's Basketball. Again, a belated Mother's Day to all of the moms out there in every form and fashion. 
and it's graduation season from preschool to college and graduate students and PhDs. So happy graduation to everyone out there over the course of the next few weeks. We're talking about the NCAA transfer portal. It's been that magic 60-day window. We say it's kind of like a magic door. It swings open, people jump in, we see them find a home, and then it closes. And they've got time to figure out what that looks like. The 60-day window is really about the technicality. A student-athlete can take as much time as they want to make that decision. We see a lot happen immediately. We see some take a few weeks, and yet there are still hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of names and student-athletes in that transfer portal that haven't found a home yet. We hope that for a lot of them, they are able to find the right place for them. It also not only comes to a student athlete, but you have to think about it also, I think, for a lot of coaches and say, how can I not necessarily overhaul my roster, but how do you fill those holes? How do you find the right fit? And if I'm someone from, let's say, a first-year head coach who just took over a program, and now you've got to look and say, well, what are some of the needs that we have? What did we not have a year ago? What was what were our weak spots? What were things where we were exposed, not only in non-conference or in conference play, is there a player, is there someone with veteran experience that is in the portal that can fill our needs? A couple of teams that I think, especially out of the ACC, who, or excuse me, out of the SEC, who have done that and done that well. First, Mississippi State. I really like what Sam Purcell has been able to do. Now, we saw their run into the NCAA tournament. They gave it, They got in. They were one of the last four in. They had a play-in game, but then they continued to advance. And part of that is culture, and it's part of them having that mentality that they were going to win no matter what. People doubted them. They were one of the last teams in, and they made a name for themselves in the NCAA tournament. That goes a long way when you're looking for other players who want to jump in the portal and find a home. And that really has been something they've been able to do. And I think you give credit to what Sam Purcell is looking for, what he wants to do with this roster, the type of player that they are looking to find to fit their mold. They've got three players that are headed their direction. Lauren Park Lane, she's the 5'3 graduate student from Seton Hall. She's committed to Mississippi State, as is Darion Rogers, who's coming from DePaul. So two players headed from the Big East to Mississippi State, and then also a player from Arkansas, and that is Erin Barnum. She's a 6'2 graduate student, and she's going to be coming to Mississippi State as well. She's a Little Rock native, but Ultimately, all three players have the ability to get on the floor in the SEC and play at Mississippi State. That's what you want. They also bring a lot of veteran leadership. You're looking for players who have been through the wars and the trenches, people that know how to win. They've had the ups and downs of being a student athlete and what that experience looks like. That is not necessarily something that you can just automatically find. It only comes with experience. And if you figure out and find players that know how to win, that makes a big difference. Another one is Texas A&M, Joni Taylor. She takes over that program this past year. And it was an up and down season at A&M, but she's gone into the portal and she's finding players that are going to fit her mold and what she needs. One of them, Andia Rogers, she's going to come from Oregon, Lauren Ware coming from Arizona. And just out on Twitter today from one of my amazing colleagues at the next, Gabriella Lewis, they're talking about Auburn's Kulabelli, the six foot guard, that has been, she is saying on Twitter that she is headed to Texas A&M. Not confirmed yet by A&M, but we will see that shortly, I am sure. Kulabelli, 16.6 and a half boards a year ago at Auburn. So making the move within the conference, as we said, those are the ones that sometimes stand out. They give you a little bit of pause. 
So there's that portal window, 60 days. We said the student athlete themselves doesn't necessarily have to make their decision. They are, it's the liberty for them to do. Anybody that goes in the portal from here on out, they're going to have to have a waiver to be eligible to play a year from now. There are so many names that we haven't talked about. Impact players, these are just some of the few that we think, that I think, are going to be the ones and the names that you're going to see. But you also know that if you've got LSU who won a, a a national title a year ago with nine new players on their roster, many of them from the portal, that it can be done, that you can get lightning in a bottle, that you can be able to channel that type of player who wants to come in and be challenged. Now, remember, transferring doesn't always work. It isn't always the right fit. Go back to what happened with Virginia Tech and Ashley Owasso. She came from Maryland to Virginia Tech and really didn't see a lot of time, had injury issues, but after that, it really wasn't something that registered for Kenny Brooks. She wasn't in the mix for a team that went to the final four. So a transfer doesn't always pan out. And as we know, with over a thousand names that are in that portal at this point in time, some have found homes, but most of them have not. And that's the issue right there. Where do all of these people land? You make a choice. Sometimes you roll the dice when you put your name in there. Is there going to be a home for you? That is still to be determined. The one factor we also have to think about is how does this impact all of the upcoming classes that are in that recruiting process right now? So the class of 23, they're going to be landing on campuses in just a few weeks. But then you got to think about the 24s and the 25s and the 26s. They're the ones that are headed out on the recruiting summer trail with their AAU teams, hoping to be seen and discovered. And maybe some have already committed, but now, what if the portal has changed that? What if all of a sudden that roster looks incredibly different than it did six months ago when I committed because of the transfers that you've taken? These are the decisions that impact what goes on over the couple, the next couple of years. And I think it's difficult for some of these young people who are sophomores, juniors in, in high school to make a decision early because there is so much movement. There is not a lot of simplicity to the process like it maybe it used to be. There's more questions than maybe answers. And we also know that coaches are looking at their recruiting philosophy very differently as well. They aren't signing a full class of freshmen each and every fall. They're going to hold one, maybe two scholarships because they know that they are going to be players in the portal. They may absolutely fill a need could have been a player that they recruited as a high school student athlete and they went somewhere else and now their name's in the portal. They may be one of those people that they would want to have a conversation with. You just never know. Recruiting has changed because of the portal. It changes the landscape for a lot of these players. Some who thought that they might be a P5, that they may be headed to a top 10 program, but those opportunities might not necessarily be there just because there aren't roster spots. The pendulum continues to shift. The COVID years of eligibility will be gone soon. But ultimately, this is going to be a decision of how of these coaches want to manage their rosters. It looks a lot like professional sports. We say it all the time that you have to be able to manage your roster now a little bit differently than you did five or 10 years ago, maybe even three years ago, before the pandemic, before the carte blanche of transfer. It's very, very different. You've got to be able to mix and match and move the chess pieces. Some coaches do it better than others. Some don't want to do it at all. Others have completely embraced it. No matter what the philosophy is, it's got to be the right fit for both the student athlete in the portal, the program and the coach. You want the culture to be right. You want to be someone that fits there. 
you left one place, make sure that the next one you head to really is where you want to land. Thank you for listening and for watching today. It has been a true pleasure. Um, I want to remind everybody, please go to thenexthoops.com. It's WNBA preview time and the WNBA season starts on this Friday, May 19th. So everything you need to know about what the season is going to bring, you're going to find at The Next Hoops. And you'll find it here on this podcast all throughout the week. You can find me at Missy Hydrick on Twitter and all of my amazing colleagues by following us. Go to The Next Hoops and follow this podcast at LockedOnWBB. Thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. More coverage with our fearless leader, Howard Megdahl, as well as others throughout the week. It's going to be news and notes on college basketball, but international basketball could be USA basketball, but also the very best WNBA coverage you are going to find right here at the next. We have you covered. Come back all this week. I will see you all soon right here on Lockdown Women's Basketball. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening.